Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAT Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins. And Asai Calderon Muñiz. All right. Excited to get started. We're uh, we're going to be talking about personality disorders. I'm like, I'm so excited. I'm just like jumping right in. I feel like <laughs> I like no intro, no nothing, just diving right deep into personality disorders. This is we're doing our continued deep dive into section 7a which what is this like week three week four like it feels like feels like we've been living here for a month yeah Um, probably closer to week four but (laughs) it's definitely been a while yeah but um for those of you who are new just in case you're you know watching this because you're just interested in personality disorder um, personality disorders. What we're doing is working through the AAMC outline. We're hitting some of the high yield and interesting topics from each of the categories to help prep people for the MCAT. Um, but you may be listening to this just because you're interested in personality disorders, in which case, awesome. Um, but we're in section 7A, which is by far the deepest um, or the like the section that there's the most stuff about. And so we've been talking about personality or psychological disorders for a couple of weeks, but today we're going to carve some time out to talk specifically about personality disorders. Now, I don't know about you as I, but I feel like this is the thing when I started to learn all of these, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know so many people that <laughs> like, <laughs> I have like examples for like all of these pretty much. Um, and that's, that's something that is kind of interesting. I do think that it is important for people to be careful as with a lot of like psychological disorders, there's a lot of stigma and a lot of people think that just because something isn't normal, that means it's bad. And that's not necessarily the case. A lot of these personality disorders are just basically just not the standard personalities or the, the normal, like what we, uh, who has a normal personality, but um, like these are a little bit outside the norm uh, for different reasons. Um, be careful because I think a lot of times people think that these are necessarily bad. Now, some of them, like there are some interesting things going on with like repercussions in society, but um, like, I, I just want to like, caution everyone to be like, (laughs) be careful, especially like, even if you understand that personality disorders are not necessarily like a bad thing, like first off psychological disorders, you shouldn't be judging people for them anyway. But um, even if you are aware of that, if you talk about it with people outside the medical realm, a lot of times people misunderstand that. And so if you say, tell someone that you think they have a personality disorder, they're not going to take it nicely. <laughs> they're not going to take that as like, oh, that's interesting. Let's let's like try to understand this a little bit better. Um, and so while this may bring up a lot of stuff in your head about people you know, be very careful with the way that you introduce this. Um, I think destigmatizing um, like stuff that is in the psychological realm is very important. Um, but just something I want to <laughs> caution everyone to be careful of. I've, I've had students in the past that have said that they tried to have a discussion on one of these things with the family member. And I'm like, ugh, ugh. okay, that, that, how'd that go? And, uh, that's something I have to be careful of. Yeah. A quick disclaimer, right? Um, we're covering all of these because they are in, the outline, right? And we're covering them, you know, not super in depth in the sense that you would be able to go out and diagnose someone with these. You really should not go around diagnosing people um, with with anything, really. You're not, you're not yet a doctor, right? Um, but also just keeping in mind that, like Phil said, there's so much stigma around these. And so 
it's important to be careful of trying to diagnose anyone else, trying to diagnose yourself. Those are not good ideas. So please always make sure to, if you're concerned for yourself, um, have a conversation with a medical professional. Uh, if you are concerned for someone else, um, those are conversations that can be had very carefully. Um, you can just come from a place of curiosity, asking, do not tell someone that you think that they have antisocial personality disorder. No. <laughs> um, so just keeping that in mind. And then uh, there are a lot of nuances to these disorders that we just can't get into for the sake of time. They're also beyond what you need to know for the MCAT. So just keep that in mind. You might know, you know, someone or yourself be diagnosed with one of these and know that there are nuances to them. We just can't cover all of that for each of the psych disorders that we have and are talking about. So just keep that in, in mind um, as we go through these. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Preamble over. Um, I actually really like learning about the personality disorders because there, there's a lot of very interesting things. And I feel like it helps me understand um, other people and myself and just kind of different scenarios there. But I think that what's important to start off with is that there are a couple of classes of uh, personality disorders. There's class A, there's class B, and there's class C. Um, the class A is the one that is focused on um, kind of odd or strange thinking. Um, class B is more in the emotional realm, and class C tends to be focused on anxiety. I want to be, be clear, these are not anxiety disorders, but it's a personality disorder that is focused in the anxiety realm, um, which can be kind of confusing, right? Because there's like personality disorders focused on anxiety. And then there's also anxiety disorders and they're separate things. Um, I like one of the ways that students like to memorize uh, the difference between them. It, it is it's the weird, the wild and the worried. Um, and so the, the kind of like strange thought patterns being the class A, the weird, I, I don't know if I love that, that, that term for that, but, uh, it's a great mnemonic and it makes it stick in your head. And so I'm like, ah, okay, I'm going to say that anyway. Um, and then class B is the emotional and then class C is the anxiety. So within that class A also, I should say that if someone asked me like five years ago, like what you needed to know for the MCAT, I probably would have said, you just need to know the different classes and categories. You don't need to know each of the examples within each one. Um, but given like exams that students have taken since then that I'm aware of, okay, like you actually need to know these examples, like each of these individually really well. And so I'm diving into these a lot deeper than I probably would have, you know, five years ago, but the MCAT has asked questions about specific disorders um, within these, these different categories. So the class A, the first one is paranoid. So this is paranoid personality disorder. And this is one of the ones I think students are like most, like you, you, you probably don't even, I, I probably don't even have to explain it. You, you probably have an idea of what paranoid personality disorder is. One thing that I do want you to be careful of though, is, is you should be constantly thinking, this is anytime you're studying, but you should be constantly thinking like, how can I tell the difference between the things that are similar. So like there is a paranoid schizophrenia, which we have talked about in the past. And there's also a paranoid personality disorder. And how do you tell the difference between those is something that students should be thinking about. Obviously they both have this paranoia, 
But within the schizophrenia, generally there are delusions and hallucinations. It's a little bit like being out of touch with reality. But in paranoid personality disorder, that's not necessarily the case. Like you can be perfectly in touch with reality. You just tend to be a little bit paranoid. Like you think that um, things are like bad things are going to happen. You're constantly kind of like worried about that. And uh, I always think about like an example that I, that I know of, and that's probably the best way to learn all of these. But exam- an example of paranoid personality disorder, I have a, I have a friend um, who I remember um, he just had his first kid. Um, and, and so he's got like this newborn and he's like a little bit, you know, you know, first child. I feel like everyone's a little bit like nervous, like, oh my gosh, there's so much dangerous stuff in the world. Um, but this was, this was pre COVID and we went to a wedding and this was a wedding for one of the people that we went to med school with. And so at the wedding, he's like, I don't want anyone to touch my kid. Um, and like, like, he's like worried that diseases are going to be passed. And I was like talking to my friend, I'm like, you realize like everyone in this room is a doctor, <laughs> like everyone <laughs> here has been vaccinated against all the things that, you know, are, are dangerous. And once again, this was pre COVID and he's like, well, what if somebody went to Beirut and they didn't get their vaccination or somebody went to like these different things. And he's like, he's like, I know I'm being unreasonable, but I just feel more comfortable if no one like handles my, my kid, what if they drop him? And like, so he, he understood that he's like, okay, this, this probably isn't something I should be worried about, but I'm worried about it. And like, it just makes my life a little bit easier. And that's a little bit different than worried that the mole people are after you. Right. And that's so like the difference between paranoid schizophrenia and paranoid personality disorder is paranoid personality disorder. You can still be very much in touch with reality, but you still have these these paranoia um, like ideations. Um, Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. And I just want to tack on that. Also, you know, the the example you gave was um, like with your friend you know, they didn't question people's motives, but with paranoid uh, personality disorder, people can also, right, be um, like experience suspicion for other people's motives. So Mm -hmm. just to uh, take that example home, so I'll still use the example of your friend, but I'm going to take it beyond their their case, um, just so like students can, can also remember. So if that friend had also, you know, said, well, there's also, you know, there's also possibility that they want to, to get my kids sick, right? That would still be paranoid personality disorder. And so like Phil was saying, you know, trying to always think about the differentiators um, between like how you would actually be able to tell them apart, right? With, like you said, schizophrenia, they're out of touch with, with reality at times. Um, whereas with paranoid personality, so I have to like remember not to say paranoid schizophrenia, mm-hmm. uh, paranoid personality disorder, um, they can still, you know, they're not going to have those, uh, it's not going to be marked by hallucinations, by um, uh, all of those other uh, positive, <laughs> positive in the sense that it's adding um, uh, symptoms. But yeah, I, I think that that's really helpful to to remember. I probably will not be giving examples of friends with these disorders. <laughs> well, I'm not um, naming them. So yeah, so I no, but just because I actually think that it's interesting that you have more friends in this category. I think I've had more friends in some of the other categories. So I yeah. just don't have as many personal experiences to, to pull from this one. Um, the next one in cluster A is actually one that you've 
talked a little bit about before. So that's schizoid personality disorder. And for those of you who have watched our podcast for a while or have binge watched in the first couple of episodes, you've heard Phil talk about uh, schizoid personality disorder. And with this one, this is a little harder to remember in the sense that the name isn't as intuitive as some of the other names in these different clusters. Um, and personality disorders. And so schizoid personality disorder is actually more about someone not um, not forming uh, social ties, not forming social relationships, having more of a restricted or narrower range of emotions. Um, so often the like one word version that people remember is like the loner. Um, so these individuals, they're just not going to engage as much with other people. And that's really the differentiating um, component of, of their, their personality disorder. Um, so just kind of trying to, to think about an example, um, just really making it very extreme. This is going to be the hermit that, um, just like is off in their own world. You really don't see them very often when you do, it seems like they're a little disconnected. They're not really trying to engage with people. Um, and so they're just going to stay away from forming those close bonds that um, you and I might form. Yeah. I think a really important component of this is not that they like can't form these bonds or they are bad at socializing and like interacting. Like the, the big thing here is that they just don't see the point. Like why, like it's a lot of work to keep up social interactions and, and friendships and relationships and things like that. And it just, it just doesn't seem worth the effort to them. And so it's not that they can't have a friendly conversation. It's just, they don't like, it's, it's not, it's not worth it to them. It's not something that they want to put in a lot of time in order to make that happen. And so um, like, especially like schizoid and schizotypal, as you mentioned, not intuitive names, right? Like paranoid, like you can probably guess what that is. Um, I think that that's something worth noting because if I'm a test writer working at the AMC and I want to see like how well people know and understand how much you guys have studied, I, I'm probably not going to ask about the paranoid one because everyone's going to be able to figure that out. But schizoid and schizotypal, which is the next type we're going to talk about, those are ones that are very easily confused. Um, not only are the names not intuitive, but the two terms sound similar, right? Like schizoid and schizotypal. And so the way that I remember the difference between them is the schizoids tend to avoid. And so like there's a little bit of rhyming there and the, the schizotypal is a little bit different. And so let's, let's talk about the schizotypal. And so the schizotypal is somebody who, um, for, for lack of a better word, is strange. Like there's some like strange thought patterns, um, disorganized, sometimes speech patterns as well. And so the way that they interact and, and how their mind jumps from one topic to another can sometimes seem like a little bit like hard to follow. And so you may have met somebody like this who's, you know, like language, like they speak a little bit strangely or their, their thought process is a little bit strange. And uh, once again, not necessarily bad, but this just kind of oddity. Um, the way that I remember what's going on with schizotypal is schizotypal has a Y in it. And so that reminds me of Yoda. And so Yoda speaks a little strange, right? Strangely speaking, do I? And like, like things like that. And so like, oh, like the one who like just thinks a little bit strange and maybe is a little bit strange um, is maybe something that goes more into that schizotypal um, 
And there, there are some other things kind of going in there, but I think one of the most important things you need to be able to do is to separate the schizotypal from the schizoid, because if I ask you a question and the correct answer is schizotypal, you can bet schizoid is going to be a wrong answer choice there. And so you need to be able to pull those two apart. Yeah. And you'll also hear with schizotypal that these folks might have um, some like discomfort in really close relationships. And so that's another, you know, place where they can test you because we've talked about with the schizoid having, you know, like being more detached from their relationships. Um, and so schizotypal, they can have just like this strong discomfort. Um, and like Phil said, you know, there's a lot of, um, cognitive, um, differences and, um, like, uh, perceptual, like distortions, things like that. Yeah, I think something to keep in mind. So a lot of times the schizotypal, why they have difficulty in those scenarios is because like it's hard for them to to because their thought process and thought patterns are a little bit different. It's hard for them to kind of understand what other people are thinking as well. And it's just like harder to socialize. And so it's just like a little bit more difficult and a little bit more stressful than like and the schizoid just doesn't care. Right. Like that. So there's a difference there between those two. And so while both of them may have, you know, they may actually like interact a little bit less often, um, understanding kind of the reasoning behind that is, I think, important for helping you like differentiate the two. Yeah. And as we kind of wrap up, um, like the, the cluster, like you were, uh, like you just, um, uh, wrapped up with us, you know, as we move into cluster B, now we're focusing a little more on, like you said, emotion, and um, we start off with antisocial personality disorder. And so before we we dive into the specifics of that, that's often what people think of when they think of like a loner. And that is not the case, right? So we said that that was more someone who is uh, has a schizoid personality disorder with antisocial personality disorder. So have you ever seen the show Criminal Minds? I have not. <laughs> okay. So I haven't seen it in a few years. So if anyone watches it recently and, you know, feel free to, to comment um, in on the video um, there, essentially there are these, there's this team and they're doing a lot of investigations and, you know, it's kind of like a, it is as in the name, it's a criminal, uh, a criminal show, a criminal drama. And so when I think of antisocial personality disorder, I think of a lot of the criminals um, because they have this blatant disregard. They violate the rights of other people, um, of their personhood. Um, they're, you know, they're very deceitful. They exploit. So on the, this is one of the more extreme ones. Um, and it's often attached to, for example, like the, uh, Oh, goodness. Um, career criminal. There we go. That's mm -hmm. what I'm thinking of. And so that's why that one is often there's a lot of stigma around it, um, probably more than some of the others, because the behaviors and their actions do tend to be some of the most extreme in these different clusters. Um, but in terms of just kind of remembering, having a, a reference, um, a lot of these these shows will depict people with antisocial personality disorder. And so there's also, and it's going to be important to kind of keep a very, a very strong image for this one in your head, because there's another one that we'll talk about later that has some overlap with mm -hmm. some of the, the presentations. So these people are also going to be more impulsive. Um, they're going to have just uh, more bouts of aggression. And so with antisocial personality disorder, it's not that they don't want to be around people. It is that they're not going to, um, regard people in, in the same kind of light of independence and being there, you know, having like limits, boundaries, things like that. Yeah. Antisocial personality disorder 
for me is in the running for the worst named disorder, period. <laughs> right. Because you hear the term antisocial and you think not social, like someone who mm -hmm. doesn't socialize. And like, so a lot of students will like, you could have a question about like schizoid personality disorder and antisocial is going to be a correct or an answer there. It's going to be the incorrect answer. So this is, this is why that's a, that's a bad name. What antisocial really means is you just so something is broken in empathy where you can't understand something from someone else's perspective. Right. And so you can like see why this goes with criminality. Right. Like if I if I think about like, you know, stealing like if I like stealing a TV from you as I right, if I am an anti if I have an antisocial personality disorder. If I think about all the effects of that, like what's going to happen out of this one, I get a new TV Two, I don't have to pay for it. That's it. Those are all the effects, right? Because I, I have trouble understanding your point of view and the point of view of other people. This is very often like related to um, like a sociopath, right? And I think that's a term that a lot more people are, are more comfortable with and more familiar with an antisocial personality disorder. But the idea here is that they just cannot understand what's going on in other people's perspectives. So as you mentioned, there is like, if you look at like in prisons and things like this, the amount of the population in prisons that have antisocial personality disorder is much higher than what you would see in just the average population. But I think it's very important here to realize that if you have antisocial personality disorder, that doesn't mean you have to go to prison, right? Like that's not like the, 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 the criminality uh, tie-in is not a perfect one-to-one -one correlation. There's a lot of people with antisocial personality disorder that are not like criminals, right? Because like, let's say I, you know, I'm going through those, those, like, what's the effect of me stealing your TV? <laughs> I'm like, all right, <laughs> you know, new TV, don't have to pay for it. But if I get caught, I'll go to jail. And so that's nah, not worth it to me. Um, and so like, so I'm not committing crimes, but still kind of focused on myself within that, that reasoning and not on, on somebody else. Um, there very interestingly, there's another subset of a population that has a much higher representation of antisocial personality disorder. And it is CEOs, CEOs of companies. Actually, there's a lot of interesting research that show that they have, they're much there's a much higher representation of antisocial personality disorder, not just with CEOs, but just with higher level management in large companies. And so you can kind of understand, like, if you have antisocial personality disorder, you're, you don't care as much about other people and you're just focused on yourself. And so you can see why in a business realm, this is, might make you make it easier for you to take advantage of scenarios and take advantage of people and push people to do things that, so that you advantage and you further your career. And so it's like a super interesting thing. While there is the criminality component, I think if the MCAT wants to be really tricky, they'll kind of push it away from that to the, like, you know, what most people would consider highly successful. Um, and like most people wouldn't necessarily make that tie. Please don't go and call your bosses or the people in charge of, <laughs> of your university or um, wherever right. you're studying uh, as having antisocial personality disorder. But I, I think it's really interesting because I actually hadn't thought about that. But as you say, it, it makes sense because these these individuals have to have like this drive and a much uh, like narrower, um, almost like having like the horses have the, the blinders on. Mm -hmm. and so that makes sense. Um, I yeah. like that example. I think it would be useful. I wish I had known it when I was studying uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, you know, in, in the media, and this is where we've talked about this before, the media can get very 
sometimes they will do an okay job at, at representing um, different disorders. More often than not, they don't, or they take them to the extreme version of them. And so while that makes it easier to remember for something like the MCAT, it's not great for translating it into real life. Um, yeah. Yeah. My go-to example of an antisocial in my mind is like a CEO who knows something is against the law, but he pushes his employees to do it, but he structured it and worded it in emails in a way that if someone gets caught and gets in trouble, it's the employees, but it like mm-hmm. makes the company like go better. and makes his career go better and things like that. And so someone who is still kind of focused only on themselves, but a lot of times, and this is what makes antisocial like the worst name is a lot of times these antisocial personality disorders, um, the people who have them are actually very social and very good at manipulating people and interacting with people. And so to like just that's why the name is so bad because it can be somebody who is like very friendly and charismatic and things like that but they tend to just push people in a way to take advantage for themselves i could see also some like cult leaders kind of going fitting into that category as well and so there's just like a bunch of really interesting things but once again the name is horrible it is not about being social it's about empathy and just the lack of empathy um Okay, the next topic. Okay, I'm so excited about antisocial. So the next topic is borderline personality disorder. Um, borderline personality disorder is characterized by some emotional, um, some emotional swings and instability is is the term I'm looking for. Some emotional instability. Now, once again, I want to like shine a light onto like a previous episode. We talked about mood disorders, and a lot of times people get confused between like mood disorders and borderline personality disorder, like borderline personality disorder is a personality disorder, but there's also like bipolar disorder, which is a mood disorder. So just, just to remind everyone, I know we're not talking about mood disorders, but mood disorders, you kind of like swing between like, um, like depressed and manic, right? Like an up mood and a down mood. And it's just like a spectrum in there. That's different than emotions, right? Emotions are things like anger, happiness, jealousy, sadness, right? Like those sorts of things. And so borderline personality sort of has the instability with emotions, not with the mood. And so there's a difference between those. Um, Now, sometimes they do overlap and somebody might have both. Um, But it is like, it is important to kind of like how, like, once again, how are you going to tell the difference if they're both answer choices on test day, right? So one is mood and one's emotion. And so a lot of times these borderline personality disorders, we see this as um, like people who have very extreme feelings and emotions, and they can often like change quickly. We call this splitting where like somebody will like, let's say somebody knows me who has this disorder. They're like, oh, Phil's the greatest. Like, oh, like I want to be like more like him. And like, he like, that's so great. And then like a week later, it's like, oh, Phil's awful, right? He's, he's garbage. He's trash. Like, no, he's the worst. And, and this kind of like change in viewpoints and things is, is something that is um, characteristic of the borderline personality disorders. Very often you see these people also tend to be more extroverted, and um, inappropriate at times, uh, you know, having really strong emotions at different points that can like obviously lead you to, you know, emotional outbursts or, or things like that, or just viewpoints that like most people might not necessarily mesh with. Um, but it's definitely kind of an interesting, interesting one out there. 
Um, and I think it's like really characterizes the class B, which is all about the emotional component. Yeah. And I really like that you, you know, I think it's important for our listeners to, to realize like, this is not the same as bipolar. Right. And that's where I think a lot of people can get, you know, the waters can get really muddied. And so with bipolar, you also, if you remember when we talked about it, I think last week, um, so so. (laughs) It's um, all blending together. (laughs) Yeah, it is all blending together. We've done so many episodes. Um, So with bipolar, you're going to also have these periods where they can last for a longer period of time. Right. And so like Phil was saying, with uh, borderline personality disorder, these switches can be very abrupt. These um, like you were saying with with splitting you'll see it applied to different aspects of their life. So yes, in part, right, it's going to be how they see other people. So for example, if you are a therapist and your patient comes in and one day they seem like they're completely okay, they're having a grand time, they're really grateful and they say that you're the absolute best, you know, therapist that they've ever had and uh, they're, you know, you've, you're changing their life and then the next time it's awful, right? Mm-hmm. And they just are lashing out and, you know, saying this is the worst therapist ever, something like that. It can also apply to their own perception of themselves. So they're also going to have very unstable um, self images and, and identities. They're also going to uh, like have these concerns about being abandoned, right? And so it's these extremes in their interactions, not just with other people, but with themselves. It can they can also have a lot of impulsivity, and so that's where we have to be again careful with something like a manic phase. These these personality disorders in general are not diagnosed on a single occasion. They are not wanting counter diagnoses. They have to be considered in sequence. Whereas something like bipolar, once you see a manic phase, that manic phase is a diagnosis of bipolar type one, right? right? And so that's something else to kind of consider with these personality disorders as we talk through them, you're going to see that consistency in behavior, whereas someone might have a manic episode once in a year, right? Whereas these Mm -hmm. folks with borderline are probably going to have this instability a bit more often. And so that's something else that can be really helpful in differentiating kind of the the two. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely kind of an interesting, tricky thing. That's also the thing about personality disorders is most of the time these are like I, I don't want to say innate, but kind of almost a little bit more innate. Like they, they don't, this is like a part of this person's personality. Right. And so that is something that is, um, is, is kind of important. And so it's not really necessarily like a phase, like this is just kind of who you are. And there are like medications and things to help if things get like really dangerous at some point. Um, but under most cases, like like we don't necessarily treat this as like a disease. It's just not the normal way. And so it's a disorder, not, not a, not a disease. And so there's a difference between these. Yeah. And I like that you brought up medications. I hadn't thought about having this uh, in part of the conversation with something like bipolar uh, um, with, with the different types of bipolar medication is a mainstay treatment. Right. And so uh, individuals with different, uh, the type one and uh, even type two will often be on medication lifelong with the personality disorders. Mainstay treatment is actually therapy. And so these individuals, they, they are often put on medication to mitigate the symptoms and the manifestations. Um, often though, they also have concurrent, uh, uh, psychiatric disorders, right? <laughs> the word yeah. is failing me. Um, and so, you know, they'll be on medication for that, but you could actually 
treat someone and fairly successfully in some cases with just therapy. Whereas with bipolar disorder, that would not be a good idea. It's often going to have a um, uh, medication um, element to it. Yeah, there's definitely definitely something kind of going on there with personality disorder. It's more about the way that you think and see the world. And so therapy is more indicated for that versus, you know, like the the like big mood swings like towards, you know, mania and depression. Like that's that's something that's a little bit little bit different than about just the way that you see the world. Yeah. And so continuing our conversation and cluster about uh, emotion-related personality disorders. So next up, we have the histrionic personality disorders. And these individuals, it's going to be a lot about really big, right? So really big emotion, really big um, interaction with other people. And so it's this excessive emotionality, this uh, almost theatrical attention-seeking behavior that really stands out with folks with this personality disorder. I often think about this as someone who, you know, you you talk to an extrovert and they often have a big personality, right? This is going even beyond that. They need to be the center of attention. They need to, you know, get that attention however they they can. Um, And again, there's a lot of stigma about each of these, Mm -hmm. right? So just be mindful of that and just consider these these uh, personality disorders as they are with trying not to pass judgment. Um, These individuals will often... Uh, include or incorporate things like uh, immense sexuality into into their presentation, or um, they might do things and wear things that purposefully draw a lot of attention. And so it's this extreme in expressivity, emotion, and attention requirements that distinguish and um, yeah are really the the expression of this personality disorder. Yeah, this is a very interesting one. So once again, I always think like examples are like one of the best ways to like to learn these. Um, and so with the histrionic, there was a person I went to school with and I'm like dating myself here a little bit, telling you how old I am. But back in my day, we used to go to the mall for fun. And uh, <laughs> I remember uh, going to the mall and one of the people I went to school with was at the mall. And this person like was like wearing this giant pink sombrero and like climbed on a table in the food court and was singing to this girl who was working at Panda Express. Um, It was very clear to me that nobody was asking him to do this, right? Like nobody wanted him. Like, I think the girl like really wanted him to not be doing it, but this, this need for attention, this need for, I need people to pay attention to me is really the key thing with histrionic. Um, and so this wasn't something that like in my mind, I would like connect until much later when I learned what histrionic personality disorder was like, oh, well, I know an example of this. And um, so there's there's some interesting things here that uh, you have to be careful of. First with the the attention doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't matter if it's positive or negative. They just need attention. And so some people with histrionic personality disorder, per, histrionic personality disorder might need or might try to get that attention, as you mentioned, through like sexuality. Generally, that tends to work a little bit better if, for females, like trying to like pull attention in there. Like you don't see that kind of that approach in males as often with histrionic personality disorder. Not that you can't, but just it tends not to work as well in gaining attention. And so they they tend to like abandon that. Um, yeah. But also like it could be something positive, like 
like artwork, like the art that I make and like, you know, something, you know, kind of needing attention there or, or maybe grades. Like I need, like, I need like people to pay attention to how like smart I am or things like that. And so there's, it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing, but just this, this intense need for other people to pay attention to me and, and like what's going on with me. And so that could be negative or positive attention as like, you know, something like they appreciate it or they're like really angry at you either way. Like I get my attention, so I'm okay. Um, One thing to note because of this, you also see a little bit of this overlap in criminality Um, because a lot of the ways that you can gain attention are things that are illegal. (laughs) And so like every once in a while, you might hear about somebody who like climbs a water tower and like spray paints their own name on it. And like, they're like doing this. And like a part of me is like, all right, that seems like a very bad way to get away with this, right? <laughs> to, like, to like stay up there and like sign your name and then like yell, yell and wave at everyone as they go by. But if your goal is to just get attention, then you have succeeded. And so, you know, obviously in that case, there's going to be some issues with the law. And so there's also some interesting things going on there, but it's a little bit different than the antisocial, right? The antisocial lacks empathy. If anything, it's almost like the histrionic has like super empathy. Like I need, like their, their focus is on other people. Like I need the other people to be paying attention to me. Um, and I don't care if it's positive or negative attention. And so just kind of an interesting one, the, the histrionic, um, the, the last, uh, the last personality disorder within this cluster B. So there's three of them in cluster A, as we mentioned, paranoid, schizoid, schizotypal. There's four of them in cluster B, which is antisocial, uh, borderline, uh, histrionic, which we just talked about, and then narcissistic is the last one. And so narcissistic, a lot of times people get this confused with histrionic and antisocial, but narcissistic is focused on this, like this feeling of, grandiosity and this like feeling like I am so much better than everyone else and kind of needing people to, to notice this. Um, and so there is some focus on other people, but like the histrionic doesn't really care for the person with histrionic personality disorder. That's really how I should say that is not the histrionic, but the person with this disorder, the histrionic one doesn't like like they don't care about what kind of attention it is, but the, the narcissistic personality disorder, the person with that does. And so they need to kind of like feel like appreciated. A lot of times this stems from some insecurity and a way to, of like compensating for that. Now, classically, when people think about narcissistic personality disorder, they think about uh, like beauty. And I think this comes from like, this is named after Narcissus, who was, I think, Greek, like a Greek story, but a guy who was so in love with his own reflection that he drowned in a puddle. Um, And so like a lot of times when people say like, oh, you're so narcissistic, what they mean is like, you're so focused on like beauty and things like that. But narcissistic personality disorder doesn't have to be focusing on that. It could be focusing on, as I mentioned, like with some other disorders, like intelligence or being funny. And like, I need people to appreciate, like I am the funniest person that they've met. Right. And like, they need to like notice that. And so it's kind of an interesting thing. It doesn't always fit within that beauty. And once again, if I was a test writer and I'm trying to throw a curveball, like trying to see how well you know this, that's probably how I'm going to do it, right? Going to make it a little bit different than like the classic example, just to make it a little bit, a little bit trickier. Yeah. I think the kind of going back to examples, I think the one that comes to mind for me is 
I know some people have watched House. So uh, House himself actually reminds me a lot of narcissistic personality disorder because he needs people to recognize how fantastic he is and how smart he is and how he always has the answer. And he'll, you know, have his team run around even if he thinks he knows the answer because he like, I remember there was one episode, he wrote down what he thought the the disease or the illness was. And then he said, I'll be right at the end of this. And then just showed them the the it's like a back of an envelope something like that right yeah you know proving that he was right uh and i think that's where that's the big differentiator between narcissistic personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder and histrionic right it's this need to be recognized as the best um these people still also have often a lack of empathy right they're still going to um they're still going to need attention so both of those overlap with some of the other ones we've talked about but it's associated less with some of the aggression that you might see with antisocial personality disorder. Like you said, it's less associated with um, the the being okay with negative attention, right? It's on the contrary. They wouldn't want negative, you know, individuals with right. this personality disorder wouldn't want negative attention. And so something else that I've realized that might resonate with some people that it will help them remember. I've seen a lot recently in not like the media, the, the large media, but social media, people saying that they've, you know, gotten out of relationships with people with narcissistic personality disorder. And so I think that also brings in the component that it can be more subtle than something like antisocial personality disorder or histrionic personality disorder, where those are very much in your face, right? Whereas with narcissistic personality disorder, this need for uh, validation or not validation, uh, recognition of one's superiority. Appreciation. um, Yeah. Appreciation may not be as obvious from the get-go. And so I think that that can also help students keep these separate in their mind. Something else, you guys know that I like to think about things like prevalence, but also um, differences in in terms of diagnoses in the um, classically like male and female. So what's interesting is that disorders, personality disorders like antisocial personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder are more often diagnosed in men, whereas borderline and histrionic are more often diagnosed in women. And so, you know, in part, this is very tied to uh, a lot of the gender roles, expectations, stereotypes. Um, I suspect personally that there are more, you know, uh, people that aren't diagnosed in in each of the, the traditional sexes with these disorders. Um, but it's just something to keep in mind that the MCAT can also can also test because as you know, and we've talked about this, the MCAT, it's on the outline, things like prevalence, right? And so you have to have a general idea. Also a general idea, something like uh, narcissistic personality disorder is assumed to be more common than something like antisocial personality disorder. And they're still, but they're still rare. They're still relatively rare. They're not going to be as common as uh, depression or as the anxiety disorders that we talked about. And so that's something else that can help kind of guide you through as you're testing. Yeah. There's a bunch of really interesting things in there. Um, first off, like this, this also kind of like plays into the, the therapy thing a little bit. Um, but the idea that antisocial and narcissistic personality disorder are seen more often in men, um, like that 
maybe because maybe it does exist in women just as often, but it just isn't diagnosed as much as you have indicated. But also there are some differences in gender roles and gender stereotypes. And very often men are are expected to be a little bit more competitive and like, like not worried about other people as much about just making myself great and like competing there. And very often women are depicted as being more social and interacting with each other. And, and so that like empathy and those sorts of things are maybe driven home a little bit earlier in women. And so the antisocial and the narcissistic don't get as easily diagnosed or as clearly diagnosed or like the symptoms aren't as obvious um, because of socialization and like the roles of that. And that's like a super interesting thing that maybe gender roles themselves, maybe it's not a biological thing. It might be having to do with the way we interact with the world around us, which indicates that maybe therapy is useful here, right? Because it's the like socialization and the way that we interact that can change this. The other thing is you mentioned something on social media. I just want to point out like Histrionic and narcissistic uh, personality disorders are like there's some very interesting things going on with between that and social media. And it's very easy for people to be trying to gain attention through social media and like narcissistic personalities are needing that that appreciation. And so there might be some ties with um, addiction to social media that are actually like more prevalent with these disorders. And so there's some interesting things. Like if I need people to pay attention to me, or I need people to appreciate me. I might be posting a little bit more often on Facebook than I would otherwise. And, um, like the, the last little bit is, is I, I want to be careful here. Um, I know we kind of indicated before that, you know, like we have to be careful with this anyway, but just because you like to be appreciated for the things you do, don't, that doesn't mean that you're a narcissist, you have narcissistic personality disorder, right? And so like, this is just like an inborn critical portion of a personality in order to like diagnose somebody with narcissistic personality disorder, just being like, you know, I, I do the dishes and I wish somebody would appreciate that I do the dishes. That's not, I'm not going to say someone has a personality disorder because of that. Um, so something, something to, to keep in mind there. Yeah. I think that's the, the example with, um, like washing the dishes is so accurate. (laughs) Most of us, if, if we're washing the dishes for someone, or if we do something for, for someone else, like it's nice to be appreciated. Right. And so I don't think that I I agree with you. Please don't assume that you have uh, (laughs) personality disorder just because you want someone to acknowledge when you do something for uh, nice for them. And then also one last thought on these personality disorders is that they also have a genetic component. And so just keep that in mind, right. It's, they can be, they can be altered by, or they can be mitigated by uh, socialization and by therapy and all of those things, but there is this genetic component to it. And so I also think that knowing that can help push away from some of the stigma of, oh, this person has a personality disorder, right? Like a lot of these psychiatric disorders, there are often uh, genetic components that we observe when we're like clinically and, and in the general population. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in like antisocial personality, like sociopaths, there's some very clear, like, like uh, inheritance patterns within families. And like, you see it more often, um, but like, you know, therapy can help. And so socialization can help, you know, how severe it is and how, how much it's presented. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do think that that is important because a lot of times people are, are born this way. And so you don't necessarily want to like that stigma, like it's, like they're, they're they just see the world a little bit different than you do, and so it's kind of difficult um, 
to, you know, say that like these people are just awful people. Mm -hmm. For sure. And so that kind of wraps us, not kind of, it wraps us, uh, it wraps up cluster B and then starting cluster C. So we start off with avoidant personality disorder. And again, we have to be careful because there are a couple that sound either sound really similar or have some kind of overlap. And so these folks are, when I think of people with uh, avoidant personality disorder, I'm thinking of fear of rejection, quite frankly. And so these people are uh, the people with um, uh, avoidant personality disorder. I'm saying uh, a lot today. I'm just not that. Uh, they, You're on surgery re- rotation, so it's completely yeah. understandable. So they have this uh, social inhibition, right? They might feel inadequate. They're going to have, or this disorder is characterized by hypersensitivity to negative criticism. And so just a pause, like Phil said earlier, just because you don't like hearing bad things about yourself doesn't mean (laughs) that you have avoidant personality disorder. I think that that's everyone on some level is a little bit uncomfortable with negative criticism, but the difference is these people are going to have a hypersensitivity to this criticism, right? So if you and I are having a conversation, Phil, and you say, as I, I, I didn't like how you said that, maybe next time you can phrase it a little bit different, or I think you can do a better job preparing for X, Y, Z next time, right? I'm going to say, okay, that's a fair point. You know, I can do something about that next time. These individuals are going to have really strong out of proportion reactions to that kind of negative criticism. And so the avoidant component of the name is stemming from this fear of rejection. And so it's more of a concern rather than a detachment. Yeah. It's yeah. Once again, like it's not necessarily detachment from that, which is more like the schizoid personality disorder, the avoidant personality disorder, very often you, like you're, you're so worried about how other people are going to judge you, which is where the anxiety comes in, which, you know, this cluster C is all the anxiety focused ones. Um, you're so worried about that, that you avoid social interactions, that you stop interacting. And so you kind of like turn into a hermit, like we were talking before with the schizoid, but, but more so in that, like you do it not because you don't care about other people or like care about relationships, but because maybe you care too much. Um, and you're so worried about this. Um, there's someone I know um, who wanted to be a, a dentist and then decided that they weren't going to go into dentistry, but they didn't want to talk to their family about it because their family kind of knew they were going into dentistry. And so they're so worried about having that conversation that they just like stopped going to like the big family Christmas stuff and all those things because like the, there's just so much anxiety and worry about this, like this conversation. And like, they're, they're kind of like tearing themselves apart on the inside because of this concern. And that's, that's like classic avoidant, right? Where it, there's just like so much worry about other people's views that you tend to just avoid interactions altogether. Now, the flip side of that is the dependent personality disorder, which is the the next one within um, class C. So like this one is actually like, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to the avoidant, but it's kind of the opposite. And so it's, this, this will make sense here in a second. But these are people who are so concerned with what other people um, think of them and feel that they feel like they I need to be around people and I need them to be constantly approving me in order to feel like I have value. And so there's still this immense concern and anxiety about what other people are thinking and what other people are feeling. But 
rather than like avoiding people altogether because they don't want that negative criticism, they feel like they need to be around people because they need that positive, like, you know, uh, reinforcement there. Um, there's some really interesting things with dependent personality disorder. Um, there was, you know, once again, examples, um, there was, there was a girl that I was dating when I was in college back in the day. Um, and she had a roommate and like the girl I was dating, we were kind of trying to keep it on the down low. Like we weren't trying to make a big deal. We're trying to be super cool about it. Um, and so we weren't, we weren't like advertising that we were dating. Um, and so at some point, like the, the girl I was dating and I, we wanted to go like go out on a date and we were in a calculus class together. And so like, we're going to go study calculus. And like the roommate was like, Oh, can I come? And we're like, well, I mean, we're, it's, it's probably gonna be like three or four hours. And like the roommate was like, I'll, I'll be silent the whole time. And so she just like needed to be around us. And like, th there's, there's some, like, like it's hard to be alone um, with dependent personality disorder because you you feel your value comes from other people's like like you need that that social validation. Um, something that's that's kind of dangerous about this. Um, I actually think that of of all of these, like the dependent personality disorder can like be kind of dangerous to have because very often these people are taken advantage of. And they can end up in relationships that are abusive and, and they tend to just take it and not get out of the relationship because they feel like they like, oh, like I know he, he hits me, but, but like, I, I need to be around him and I just need to be better. And like, they keep rationalizing that it's kind of their fault. And like, if they were just better then people would appreciate them more. And so, um, that's something that's really dangerous. A lot of times people who are, um, uh, who are in abusive relationships. There's once again, an over representation of people with dependent personality disorder. So if you ever like, you know, you know, down the line, you're, you're a doctor, you're a physician. And like, maybe you work in the psych psychiatric field. Um, if you have a patient who has dependent personality disorder, that's something to be aware of, right? Something to be concerned of just on the lookout for, because um, the people with dependent personality disorder are not as good of an advocate for themselves at times because they're, they they see their value as how other people are looking at them, not how they feel about themselves necessarily. Yeah. And there's also this need, right, to be taken care of. And so that's something else where with, you know, in, in an abusive relationship, for example, there's that, okay, well, they take care of me in this other aspect, mm -hmm. right? And so that can be part of the reason why folks stick around. Now, quick pause, right? There are a lot of people who are in abusive relationships that don't have these right. personality disorders, but that there's a lot of overlap, quite frankly. And so if you know someone that is in an abusive relationship, try and, you know, make sure that to be a safe space for them, but also feel free to direct them to resources, right? Don't try and fix the problem yourself. That's that's not healthy. That's not good. And it will often not work very well. Um, but making sure that people feel empowered to reach out to resources, I think is really important. Do not go and just tell someone that they're in an abusive relationship. Similar to diagnosing someone with a medical condition and just telling them that mm -hmm. is not a good idea. So just making sure and, you know, that the person feels at least somewhat safe and providing a, a safe haven for them is probably one of the most important things you can do as someone who, you know, knows someone who is in an abusive relationship or something like that, or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and so wrapping up with the cluster C and this cluster with 
a lot of anxiety, uh, is the obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Now note that the word personality is in there. So this is very different than obsessive compulsive um, disorder, like in and of itself, right? So I actually, I don't know how I remember this example, but it just shows how great the examples can be. So Phil, you mentioned a friend who uh, had to do laundry on a Tuesday and they couldn't go out because it was the day to do laundry, mm-hmm. right? And so that individual had an obsession and a compulsion with respect to doing laundry, right? So this is clear, it's it's affecting this one aspect of their life. There can also, there can often be multiple aspects that are affected in um, with the individual disorder, but with personality disorder, these individuals have a, uh, the, the disorder is more characterized by a like preoccupation for order, for control, for uh, perfectionism, right? And so this is going to have a more blanket effect on the individual's life, right? So both both can have a very strong impact on the person's life. One is more specific and will have specific compulsions and obsessions tied to them, whereas this one, the personality disorder itself is a bit more of a blanket and it has a greater focus on control. So that I think that's an important way to distinguish the two because similar to how we've been talking about some of the other personality disorders, the MCAT can try and be tricky. And they, if the obsessive compulsive disorder is the correct answer choice, you can bet that they are going to throw in um, obsessive uh, compulsive disorder and not, you know, have one with personality in it and one without personality in it. So being very mindful of that is important. Yeah. The, the, the like drawing that distinction between OCD and OCPD, right? Obsessive compulsive disorder, obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Um, as you mentioned, OCD is focused on just obsessions and compulsions. Like keep in mind that is not a personality disorder, right? That's, that's its own different category of, of, um, psychological disorders. The OCPD, as you mentioned, this is people just focus on order and organization. And not only do like medicals or pre-med students who are taking the MCAT get confused on this, I would say like most people are confused on this, right? Where you like, you, you, you meet someone and they're like, wow, your house is really clean. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm OCD. And I'm like, no, you're OCPD is what you mean. But like, <laughs> like, like that, that never goes well. It's like, oh no, you mean you have a personality disorder is what you're trying to say. And like, that's, <laughs> that generally doesn't go over well, but like, there's a big difference between OCD and OCPD. OCPD is that need for organization. Like generally these people have very clean houses. They, they organize their stuff. And like, once again, just cause you have a clean house doesn't mean you're OCPD. Um, but, uh, like, like my, my brother, he, he doesn't have OCPD, but he, he organizes his closet, um, by like color. And so it's like the Roy G. Biv spectrum in his closet. So whenever he does laundry, he has to like reorganize his his stuff. And I'm like, all right, that's that's a little OCPD, Zach. Like you need to kind of put that, you know. And like he knows, and he and I joke about it. But like I'm I'm the disordered, um, unorganized one in the comparison. So I feel like he kind of does it just to just to mess with me. Um, but one of the things that is is a little bit tricky about this OCPD of this personality disorder is this need for order and organization and perfectionism. 
This actually has some implications for uh, working in groups and like things like that. A lot of times people with OCPD have a hard time doing group projects and just trusting that somebody else is going to do a good job, right? Like if I really need this highly organized, highly perfected thing, and like that's how I, without that, I have this extreme anxiety, right? This is a an anxiety uh, class within the, the disorders. Without that, I have this anxiety. And so I'm constantly worried about this. And so these these people like have a hard time trusting that other people are just going to do a good job. Um, and I mean, with with good reason in there. I don't know if anyone else here has done a good a group project, but there's always that one person who's like, ah, whatever, I'll like phone it in in the last minute. Um, and so like these people, not just within like group projects, but sometimes at work and things like that, like they tend to, like this could lead to like some micromanaging, right? Like I, I really need this to be perfect. And like, you know, this kind of like hovering person who's like constantly telling me how, how to do this. Like, I know how to do this. It's my job. I've been doing this for five years. Right. But like this, 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 this kind of like overview and needing of perfection, um, note that that might relate to a personality disorder, specifically OCPD. Once again, I'm not saying it is this and like, don't diagnose people. Um, and if you do just do it in your head until you have a medical degree and then, and then maybe later. Um, but like, I think that that is uh, a key thing to like separate that. So like, this is the big thing that you should constantly be thinking about is, and I feel like we hammered this really well in this lesson as it's not just about knowing these things, but it's about how to tell them apart, right? What's the difference between paranoid schizophrenia and paranoid personality disorder? What's the difference between borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder? What's the difference between avoidant um, and antisocial and schizoid and schizotypal. I think that that is a classic example. Like if I really wanted to see who knew this stuff, right? I could say like Steve avoids social interactions because he doesn't see the point in them. What personality disorder does he have? So many people are going to pick antisocial, right? I said he avoids social interactions. They're also want to pick avoidant, right? But I didn't say anything about anxiety. I didn't say anything about empathy. He just doesn't see the purpose of it. And so the answer is going to be schizoid. But I, if I was a test writer, I know people get confused between schizoid and schizotypal. And so those are going to be my four answer choices, avoidant, antisocial, schizotypal, and schizoid. And I'm telling you now, like only about a third of students are going to get that question because you really need to know your personality disorder as well, but also how to pull them apart right? Like the difference between dependent and histrionic, which isn't one that we talked about, but like both of these people need attention, right? But the dependent personality disorder needs positive attention. The histrionic doesn't care as long as it's attention, right? Like I don't, I don't care. It could be positive attention, could be negative attention. So as you are studying these things, be thinking about like, how do I tell them apart? Not just from the other personality disorders, but also the other disorders in general that can be easily confused like OCD and OCPD, um, pulling those apart, understanding the, 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 um, the criteria that are distinct from the other ones is really the thing you want to focus on perhaps more than anything else. And a great way to check whether you got what you needed out of both this lecture, but also your studying is Phil just gave you really good questions to mm -hmm. realize whether you actually understand the differences or not. So I would rewind to, you know, <laughs> to those questions and then pause and see if you can answer them. And if you can answer them, that's great, right? Because that means that you are a lot more comfortable with these, the, the differences and the disorders themselves and that you'll, you're set for success. Yeah. And so 
you know, just kind of wrapping up today, we talked about the personality disorders, clusters A, B, and C, and the different disorders within them. Just keeping in mind, as always, there's a lot of stigma surrounding psychiatric disorders and also in personality disorders, making sure that you're not trying to diagnose the people in your life and telling them that they have a personality or psychiatric disorder. And then as always, if you or someone you know um, is in need of help, make sure to reach out to a professional. There are a lot of free resources out there that you can also help connect people with. Again, just making sure that you don't throw these diagnoses or throw these things on someone else. Um, so yeah.